And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Riffs and Body Slams, episode number 53. Yes, I'm your host, G-Mo, recording from the beautiful suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. And welcome to the Bay Area Strikes Back edition. As well, I will dig a little bit more in details on, uh, on my trip to Milwaukee this past Tuesday to see Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel, Thrash Metal Finest. I'll give you the review of the show, the set list, or whatnot. By the way, if you're a new listener, feel free to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode each and every week. Also, if you're a daily listener each and every week, I want to personally say thank you. I understand there's people across the globe. I've seen there's people from Germany, the UK, and of course, right here in the United States of America. But hey, thank you for tuning in. No matter where are you are, either across the globe or within the United States. Thank you. By the way, I want to do a quick shout out if you're a daily listener, a loyal listener. I'd love to highlight your name on the podcast, free of charge. I'm not asking for nothing. All I'm asking you is to send in your name. But where can you send his name at? Well, I do have socials, Twitter, YouTube. Just type in Riffs and Body Slams or send me an email at riffsandbodyslams at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on there. And I do have a second YouTube page, Ribs and Body Slams Plus. Feel free to watch the extra content. By the way, Ribs and Body Slams, the original YouTube channel. Uh, I do have the video up from this past Tuesday from the, the, the Bay Area Strike Backs tour. So it is live, up and available, positive comments, a lot of thumbs up. People enjoyed it. I mean, most of the comments on the video were from uh, fans like myself that were at the show attendance so that's good positive view good vibes it was a hell of a show but i will get a little bit more details about that show just a little momentarily but also on the show for this episode we'll be talking about the aew dynamite that went down this past wednesday also we'll be talking about wwe extreme rules yeah we're gonna do a nice little preview predictions on my picks and see if it matches up with yours and then uh what else we're gonna go on obviously some news the world of rock hard rock and heavy metal and pro wrestling we'll talk about uh new music friday my personal favorite new records coming out and uh touring yeah we'll kind of talk about that and by the way program alert my bonus, I'll have a bonus on this episode number 53. I promised last episode I'll talk about doing a nice tribute to Antonio Inoki. So I will, I will put that on the bonus. I feel it should definitely deserve to be on its own platform slash episode. So it kind of makes sense. Uh, so we, even though this show is already going to be loaded already, but... It's nice to put a little Antonio Inoki tribute on a separate bonus thing, so it'd be short, a little history throughout his career. But majority of the clips that are going to be featured on this podcast coming from a radio show on SportstownChicago.com, the Windy City Squared Circle, 
from 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Yes, there's been a little bit of technical difficulties when it comes to the app. Um, it should be up live and running. This past Thursday, I did a special time since the app is back on the airwaves. So there's that. So, uh, yeah. Before I get things going, I just want to have a you-me little talk. I want to say, how are you? How are you doing? You healthy? Being safe out there? What's going on? Like I said, my socials, Riffs and Body Slam, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Riffs and Body Slams at gmail.com. And hey, you went to any rock shows this past weekend or past week, like myself? Or any pro wrestling shows or independent shows or whatnot? Uh, you snapped any pictures, set lists, match cards? Hey, send me to my socials. Let me know how you're doing if you went to... Anything fun or specifically when it related to pro wrestling and rock and roll, I would love to hear it. Hell, I would love to, to bring it on right out here on the podcast. And hey, uh, so right after episode number 52 was released, uh, I went out and support a local independent wrestling show. Uh, a little shout out to Rocket Pro Wrestling. These guys are not paying me. It's not an advertisement. Just local pro wrestling show. It was packed in a small, uh, I guess you could say like a uh, church gymnasium or I don't know what it is. It's like a, a community park center. Very small, uh, roughly roughly around 60 people, 80 people. Maybe I'm a little too high on it, but nevertheless, a good buddy of mine who's part of a tag team there, I've uh, been friends for a long time, and I'm going to try to see if he can come on the podcast and, uh, you know, have a nice little conversation for you people, entertain you guys a little bit. But uh, he's a good friend of mine, invited me to the show, watched the whole show, was just phenomenal. Love watching local wrestlers who either travel across the great state of Illinois or across the border, like Wisconsin and Indiana, so... uh Check out Rocket Pro Wrestling on Facebook, and I believe they have a website too as well. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. And then a couple days later, went to a rock and roll show. All right, definitely blabbering. Let's head on to the riffs portion of the show where we talk about all things rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. And welcome to the riffs portion of this show where i talk about all things rock hard rock and heavy metal and without further ado let's talk about new music releases but before i start with october 14th have you listened to the new lamb of god record omens haven't you huh no i haven't yet so uh give me about a week i'll listen top to bottom but uh, I promise I listened on my drive to Milwaukee, but I decided to hit a random playlist and uh, just listen to a bunch of stuff. But uh, I'm going to try to listen to both of them back to back. I will give you a full report and review next episode. I promise. Right hand up, I promise. Uh, so New Lamb of God, which is out right now, should be available as this podcast is going to be out. New Queensryche, uh, Queensryche 
Digital Noise Lines out. What else we got? Bush, The Art of Survival. And The Cult, Under the Midnight Sun is out and about. So, uh, so those releases for October 7th, my personal picks. All right, let's cruise into October 14th to get you all ready and set. By the way, uh, the list. I'm going to read off. It's coming from Loudwire.com. 2022 Hard Rock Metal Album Release Calendar. They get the credit. I'm just relaying the list to you guys. So in alphabetical order, start from the top. The first band on the list. After all, they got a new record called Os. E-O-S. All right, this band I'm looking forward to. Alter Bridge. Pawns and Kings. It's going to be good. It's going to be a hard rocker. Looking forward to this one. All right, next artist, Austin Mead, has abstract art of an unstable mind. That's uh, a long uh, title album from Austin Mead. All right, up next, the band Avoid has Cult Metanoly. Uh Big Big Train has Summer Shall Not Fade Alive at the Lorry. Boston Manor has a Datura. The band Boundaries has Brightness. Cavernous Gate has voices from a Phantom Relima. The band Davia has Through Sheer Will and Black Magic. Dragonland has The Power of the Night Star. Elaine has Acoustic and Hell EP. Killer Kings has Burn for Love. All right, the next two I'm looking for. Actually, the next three. Lacuna Coil has uh, Kamalis XX. Lona Shore. Man, I can't wait for this one. Lona Shore has Pain Remains. Nothing More has Spirits. Orthianti. Remember that guitarist? She's just phenomenal. Uh, she was part of the Alice Cooper group before Nita Strauss came in and took her place. But she got a new record called Rock Candy. Perfect Plan has Brace for Impact. All right, the band P.O.D. has When Angels and Serpent Dance re-release. The band Poppy got a new EP called Stagger. The Red Hot Chili Peppers has Return of the Dream Canteen. The band Ripped to Shreds has uh, Jubian. Skid Row. Yeah, these guys are still around. New singer. The gang's all here. Sleeping with Sirens has Complete Collapse. Storm Ruler has Scarred Rights and Black Magic. The band Trouble has a re-release. That's all that info they have. Uh, Victoria K has Core. We Came as Romans. Those guys are great. They got a new record called Dark Bloom. And lastly, the band Wildness has Resurrection. So a big old list for October 14th. My personal pick. It's going to be Alter Bridge, uh, Pawns and Kings. What else is in here? Lacuna Coil, Lona Shore, definitely for sure on top. Nothing more. Got great singles came out. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm looking for their new album coming out uh, next week. And uh, we came as Romans. So a couple records. So uh, there you have it. October 14th. New music releases and. Uh, Still got a few more weeks in the month of October. 
here on the list here. But man, the year is not over and there's still more records, great records coming out. So yes, kind of wrap things up on the new music Friday. And again, let me know what you think about new music Friday for either October 7th or October 14th. Which records you're looking forward to purchasing either online, streaming uh, digitally on your phone or computer or go to your local record stores. You got to support local, right? All right. Let's talk about touring. What's some new tours going on across the United States or the world? Obviously, Iron Maiden announced a 2023 tour in Europe for the European fans. So uh, get ready for Iron Maiden to to up the irons in Europe. Right here in the United States, what else is going on? Well, Power Wolf announces their first ever North American shows and their career. I didn't. How about that? Exclusive North American metal masses. So Power Wolf will become to New York at the Palladium Times Square, February 23rd, 2023. And in Montreal, Canada, February 24th and 2023. So two dates if you want to see Power Wolf. New York and Montreal, Canada. So last episode, I was talking about a rumored a rumor of uh, the Misfits possibly playing a New Year's Eve show in Las Vegas. Well, it's a no more a rumor. It's officially announced. The Misfits, the original lineup with uh, original singer-songwriter Glenn Danzig, original bassist Jerry Only, uh, Wolfgang Von Frankenstein at guitar. December 31st at the Mitchell Lobb Ultra Arena in Las Vegas, uh, the original Misfits. And they're going to have Circle Jerks and Tiger Army as part of the opening act. So uh, if you want to travel to Vegas for New Year's Eve to see the Misfits, tickets should be on sale uh, either soon or right now. So some unfortunate news, some sad news coming out of the Rage Against the Machines. Uh, they canceled the rest of their 2023 American tour dates uh, due to Zach De La Roca's injury. So fans who keep in tabs on Zach De La Roca and the fans being keeping tab on the, the whole uh, Zach getting injured from the Rage Against Machines. I believe he injured himself right here in Chicago when they did two nights at the United Center. I believe he uh still in pain from uh uh was that tendon tear? Yeah, tendon tear. And uh he ended up playing the second show sitting down though, or I think the first show. Whatever whatever one of those shows he he ended up uh, tearing his tendon. But he ended up sitting down for the whole show and uh but they the tour continue on, but apparently it's not healed, so uh they're gonna cancel the twenty twenty three tour. All right, the band the Obsessed announced a U.S. tour with a mothership and pentagram. Trek starts on November 2nd in Haddam, Connecticut, and then uh, November 12th in Atlanta, Georgia. So check out the band of The Obsessed with the U.S. tour with mothership and a pentagram. So a very unique tour for this winter. A day to remember. They're going to be doing an acoustic theater tour. 
Uh, they're bringing with Wage War. Great band. My personal favorite, Wage War. I assume they're going to be acoustic as well. They're going to be doing a theater tour across the United States, starting in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, November 29th, and then uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, December 18th. So Chicago, if you're going to get the Chicago Theater, December 12th. So check out the date to remember the Reassemble Acoustic Theater Tour with Wage War. Also, another massive tour that was announced for 2023, uh, The Muse. Uh, they announced a North American tour, and they have Evidences as their opening act for 2023. So the treks kick off right here in Chicago at the United Center, February 25th, ends in Salt Lake City, Utah, April 20th. So check out The Muse with Evidences on their uh, Will of the People 2023 World Tour. All right, that wraps up the touring announcements. Let's talk about the news and rock and roll. So an interesting news was brought up, and I was quite surprised. So Rob Zombie, he was rejoined by his former guitarist, Mike Riggs for the band's last concert this past Thursday, October 6th at the Aftershock Music Festival in Sacramento, California. So it marks the first live gig since September 24th performance at the Louder Than Life Festival, which featured longtime member John Five at guitar. So uh, as I'm reading this little uh, article here, courtesy of blabbermouth.net, Rob Zombie frontman namesake didn't address the John 5 status with the group while introducing Riggs from the stage at Aftershock, simply telling the audience that Mike has returned after a 20 years absence to play the gig. So, man, I was reading the comments on social media and, I, and I'm, re I'm reacting just like everybody else is reacting. Uh, John Five and Rob Zombie, they match together. I mean, there's no beef that's been, at least fans are seeing in the public. So why is John Five leaving Rob Zombie? Interesting. So according to rockfeed.com, the John Five and Rob Zombie are no longer following each other on social media. A leading credence to the theory that John Five is no longer a member for Rob Zombie's band. Interesting. So Riggs joined forces with Rob in the 90s. Uh, he eventually stayed with him in the early 2000s, eventually leaving it in 2004 to start a project of his own. Now Riggs' songwriting was crunching guitars can be heard on Rob Zombie's Hellbelly Deluxe, uh, American Made to Strip By, The Sinister Urge, and the past, present, and future records. Now, John Five has played with Rob Zombie since 2006 when he was invited to join the band for a short Ozfest tour. Now, despite being told not to get too comfortable, the pairing brought a resurgence in Zombie, who at the point was turning his hand to directing movies and taking a break from music. They began working on 2006 Educated Horse. As a consequence, John Five had to make a decision to leave his fledging band a loser. John Five had worked 
with Zombie the past 16 years, co-writing on all the albums since the Educated Horse, uh, composing the score for Rob Zombie's 2013 movie, The Lords of Salem. So uh, very interesting. Very, very interesting. John Five, he's just a phenomenal gu- guitarist. And one of the nicest guys in rock and roll. So it's yet to see if uh, Rob Zombie's planning on re- releasing some kind of uh, uh, press release stating that John Five is no longer in the band. Very heartbreaking news, folks. So we have to wait and see if uh, John Five is planning on releasing any statement. Uh, hopefully very, very soon. So here's the interesting story. King Diamond bought a Corvette with his first Metallica royalties. How about that? So obviously Metallica done, uh, I think, a cover too. I believe on Garage Days, Inc. Doing a Merciful Fate song. And look, Metallica, one of the major rock bands, metal bands on the planet. So, making that kind of money. And, uh, look, King Diamond's got to be getting a good check in the mail. So, good for him. All right, John Pertucci, the current guitarist from Dream Theater, shuts down fan speculations about Mike Poitnoy's uh, return to Dream Theater. Uh, and, and I quote, he said, I've been very vocal about this. As a state in the look, Mike, who has been the former drummer of Dream Theater, he's been out of the band for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, he rekindled his uh, friendship, relationship with John. But doesn't mean he's going to be part of Dream Theater now. Uh, they're doing good what they have right now with their current uh, drummer. All right, so if you're a action figure collector like myself, the company Knucklebones has announced... It's team of artists, and it's in uh, it's well in production on a new official license, a limited edition Black Sabbath set of hand cast and painted collectible statues, and uh, this is based off the history of 1975, the sabotage era of the Black Sabbath. Uh, there's only gonna be three thousand each are created, making these highly collectible. And they're available to pre-order right now. So uh, do not wait. Do not wait to get these Black Sabbath Sabotage Era collectible figurines. They're limited edition. Only 3,000s are only going to be made in the entire world. So good luck to you. And I hope you snap one. And if you do, send me a picture. I'll love to see it. Uh, looking at the picture, it looks badass. By the way, my socials, Riffs and Body Slams on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Riffs and Body Slams at gmail.com. All right, Joey Ramone, music catalog sold for $10 million. Yes, $10 million to the Primary Wave Publishing. So look, a lot of these big rock stars are selling their uh, uh, catalog for big money. And he's not the only one. You remember back a couple months ago, the Offspring sold big money for the catalog? So, good for them. 
All right. Judas Priest, our bass player Ian Hill says, the next album will be more uh, intricate and more complicated than Firepower. And uh, the whole reason behind that little statement from Ian Hill, uh, he's pretty much stating that uh, once the tour calms down and uh, they get back in the studio and start working on it, and he believes it might come out in 2024. But again, it could possibly come out sooner, but they're just going to play it by ear and see how the schedule goes. All right, so good news in the Slipknot world for their new album, The End So Far. It has topped the official UK charts. Uh, it marks the band's third and number one in the country following 2001, Iowa, and 2019, uh, We Are Not Your Kind. So Slipknot's 7th LP beat out a reissue of George Michael's 1996 album Older, which came out at number 2, followed by The Snuts' Burn the Empire at number 3. So that's in the headlines in the world of rock, hard, rock, and heavy metal. Again, follow me on my Twitter page, Rivs and Body Slam, so you'll never miss any major tours all right let's talk about the big area strikes back tour yes went down this past tuesday at the rave eagles ballroom in milwaukee wisconsin it was a hell of a show if you're a fan of thrash metal go check out the tour uh check out the remaining dates either on the testament Exodus or Death Angel website or their social media, uh, go catch it. Do not miss out on this tour because you never know when this tour will happen again. But nonetheless, uh, did had a VIP to meet Exodus. So I was a very, very excited, a little nervous, obviously meeting my personal favorite guitar hero of mine, Gary Holt. Obviously, he's been in Exodus since the very beginning. Obviously, fans know, or not, that he taught Kirk Hammett to play guitar. And, uh, yeah, he was a Slayer. Come on. He was the guitarist for Slayer. One of the big fours in thrash metal. So, this past Tuesday, October 4th, Left the house around uh, 12 in the afternoon. Got in the car. Head on the expressway. Went north. Crossed the border into Wisconsin. As a approach to Milwaukee, I'm walking to a giant Miller Lake poster, or we call it billboard. And I know the Miller Lake factory is in downtown Milwaukee, along with the Museum of Harley Davidson. If you're a big motorcycle fan, uh, the museum is in downtown Milwaukee. So I managed to get off the expressway. GPS telling me to make a left, make a right, make a left. And uh, I am welcome to this neighborhood where the venue was located. And this, this neighborhood... <laughs> if anybody who been to the Rave Eagles Ballroom in the past 
30, 40 years. I mean, I'm not sure if it's it was even remotely what it is today. But man, it's it was shady. Straight up shady. I mean, boarded up windows, broken windows. And uh, if anybody who traveled to East St. Louis know how scary it is down there. And uh, I mean, it felt like the East St. Louis and Milwaukee, at least this part of the town. And uh, this venue was like right in the middle of this shady neighborhood. And uh, yeah, a middle-aged white guy wearing a battle vest and a Slayer t-shirt with a driving a vehicle with the Illinois plate, not knowing where I'm at. And as I remind you, this was a, my first time going to Milwaukee. It was my first time going to this venue, so everything was fresh and new. Obviously, I got to be aware of my surroundings, yada, yada, yada. So I uh, kept my eyes peeled, and I kind of checked around my mirrors as I parked in the street and wait and see if there's any more fans were going to show up for the VIP. So VIP was 3 o'clock Central Time, of course. And I arrived at the venue around 2.30 uh, p.m. Central Time. And I pulled into the the parking, like small parking lot right in front of the venue. And apparently that small parking lot is meant for parking for the crew. Now, of course, the, the tour buses. And uh, I don't know who band, which band has the Liquid Death tour bus but it's pretty badass the the artwork on it uh, fans know the liquid death is a uh, uh we call it smart water in a can which you could purchase in store online i believe i know live nation sells exclusive exclusively trying to get the word out uh for any live nation venues either amphitheaters or theaters so uh somebody somebody some band probably exodus were uh, you know, taking the liquid death tour bus across the country on this tour. So I pulled in the parking lot. And they're like, no, get out of here. This is not parking for general missions. This is for a uh, band and crew. Go park in the street. Because uh, the normal parking don't open to 4. My meet and greet's at 3 p.m. So go park in the street. So, of course, I got to park in front of the, the most shady apartments and buildings and you, you can see down the street from the distance, they have the police camera with the flashing lights. Like, well, I, I feel safe. Sure enough, I see a bunch of cars rolling up and parking along the street and see metal fans, fellow metal fans getting out their cars and most likely part of the VAP. So I get out, grab my stuff, head to the sidewalk where at least two fans were waiting for the VAP. Eventually, that, that line grew. So the first band they had their meet and greet was Testament. So they were the first band. And uh, Exodus was second. And Death Angel was the last band to have their meet and greet before doors open. So we're waiting outside. Now it's past 3 o'clock. Now it's 3.15. Now all the fans who were in the Testament VIP came out. And uh, some who purchased Exodus got back in line. The rest went out to their cars and put their merch and uh, autographed stuff to their cars. So sure enough, we're just waiting around for the roadie to come out and check us in for the VIP for Exodus. Sure enough, here come Testament. 
cruising out the parking lot. And hey guys, how's it going? It was Eric Peterson and Steve DiGiorgio and uh, Chuck Billy. Just all three. Just happened to walk out the parking lot and taking a cruise around the block to probably get some grub. And uh, apparently either a stage manager or a tour manager was following uh, the band as they just decided to take off. And I guess the Jeffrey Dahmer house was just not too far from the venue. I haven't watched a Netflix series at Jeffrey Dahmer yet, but uh, the Ambassador Hotel is literally right across the street. My my uh, understanding of the history from uh, uh, Mr. Dahmer was in that building. And I guess his home was not too far from there. So it was a bunch of crew uh, from the Testament side took a, took a walk from a, in another direction. So I assume they probably went to go visit the house, maybe. So the roadie came out. That was part of for Exodus, came out and checked us in. Make sure everybody matches up their name on the list. All right. We got everybody. Let's head inside. So we go inside the venue. The merch guy decided to uh, hand us out a VIP bag. Pretty cool bag. A uh, laminate pass. And uh, gave us a very cool Exodus uh, Persona Non Grata tour t-shirt. Part of the VIP merch bundle. And uh, he's like, hey. You know what? The band's on stage. They're doing a sound check. They're warming up. Uh, they'll give us a call when they're ready. So uh, I'm open for merch, and so I uh, feel free to pick anything you want. So uh, they had T-shirts for 35 bucks. Obviously, the original T-shirt that I was going to buy came with my VIP package, so no need to purchase. And I bought a poster signed by the band. They had a skateboard deck. They had guitar picks. They had Zetro, the singer, uh, Iron Patch for your vest. Uh, they had a bunch of stuff on there. So uh, he was available to purchase. Death Angel and Testament weren't available to purchase. Uh, so I ended up purchasing their merch. Run uh, doors open, which right around 35 bucks for T-shirts. And same stuff, patches, guitar picks, yada, yada, yada. So... Everybody got the merch. The merch guy slash roadie went out to the floor, checked in with the band, and uh, he came back and said, you're right, the band's ready. They're ready to meet you guys. So uh, all the VIPs, including myself, went out to the floor. By the way, the venue has apparently two rooms. Uh, the Eagles Ballroom, again, a massive ballroom from the 20s. If you've been to the Aragon in Chicago, similar to it. And then they have that, which I believe is upstairs uh, at this venue. Uh, the, the concert from this past Tuesday was at the Rave. It was like a smaller, condensed venue, which was downstairs. Um, so that's where this the show was conducted this past Tuesday at the Rave portion of the show. Uh, so we went into the venue or the, the, the Rave room and the band was on stage. They're up there. They came out. Uh, they're like, okay, well, let's do sound check. Uh, what song should we play? Somebody in our VIP group said, play Body Harvest. Zetro's like, uh, the lead singer, he's like, uh, hey, guys, you remember how to play that song? <laughs> and I'm, and they, hell, I, even I forgot. And uh, Body Harvest came off of 
the Blood In and Blood Out album that came out four or five or six years ago. So, hell, even the band forgot that song. But uh, as the band members, uh, Gary, our lead guitar, Lee Altus on rhythm, Jack Gibson on bass, the returning Tom Huntington on, on drums, and uh, Zetro on vocals. So majority of the band picked up the song right off the bat. I'm like, ah, okay. I remember I remember how playing this song. And uh, Zetro, the singer, he's like, shit, what's the lyrics? So as the band was really starting the song, the intro of the song, uh, Zetro was just like flying through his phone to find the lyrics, and he managed to... Uh, find the lyrics right when uh, the first verse came in and uh, it was awesome very cool so the band finished the song got thumbs up from the sound guy everything sound good and show ready for the night so the band comes off stage and uh, the roadie tech guy said alright here they come they're going to do uh, photos a group photo then they're going to do individual photos. Then they're going to do a uh, meet and greet. They're going to give you some autographs. They're going to just hang out. So all the members came off the stage, came around, and they shook every single person's hand. Hey, man, how's it going? Glad to see you. Very nice. Very professional. Uh, once they shook everyone's hand, did a massive group photo, which is on their social media page. Um, I'm there with, uh, actually, I'm the only person wearing a vest. <laughs> so you can check out the Exodus Facebook page, social media page. Uh, I'm featured in there. And, uh, yeah, did a big old group photo. And then right after the group photo, they end up doing the individual person-to-person -person, uh, photo with the, with the band. So I managed to get my own photo with uh, with Exodus and the boys. And uh, speaking of my battle vest, all my patches were on the back. And uh, all the guys seeing my KISS Army patch are like, dude, he had a KISS patch. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a huge KISS fan here. So that was pretty cool. So right after the individual photos that everybody had, all the members got their Sharpies. Went around and uh, talked to everybody. Uh, just hanged out. Signed autographs. I gave them my VIP laminate. And everybody signed it. Talked to Zetro. And you know, I enjoyed his YouTube videos. And talked to Gary. Shook his hand and said I'm a big fan of his. And a very cool moment to meet all the guys who are big part of Thrash Metal. Very nice guys. Very professional. These guys are great. And even Tom. Tom Huntington, the drummer, told him, dude, glad to see you back. Fans know he had cancer. Uh, again, he is recovering and back on stage and kicking ass behind the drum set. And uh, he's like, thanks, man. Thanks. Glad to be back. And Cool dudes, man. Like I said, if you're going to go check out the tour, definitely worth the 100 bucks to get the VIP. Like I said, you'll get merch. You'll meet the band. They'll shake everyone's hand. Just professional. Uh, just, I mean, just because they're metal, <laughs> they're crazy. They are playing just class act. Professionals, top notch. Highly recommend it. All right, so uh, did the meet and greet. 
VIP is officially closed. Everybody out. Wait around, hang around outside till uh, doors open for the show. And uh, obviously, uh, as we moved out, Death Angel was the last band to do the meet and greets. So I didn't have that. I had my Exodus meet and greet. So I leave the venue, put all my personal items, autograph items in my car, and uh, got in line. Just got in line and uh, waited till the doors opened. And uh, this was my favorite part before the show, which is meeting the people, just talking to random people, strangers, uh, fellow metalheads, especially since this is a more of an older generational tour or group, I should say, from the 80s. So a lot of older people. Uh, just talking about stories that what they experienced back in the eighties and nineties, uh, a lot of locals from, uh, Wisconsin and Milwaukee. So, uh, for myself and then there was another couple that came from Chicago, uh, drove out to Milwaukee for the show. So meeting a lot of locos and chatting with them and talking about stories and well, I love this album and oh, man, I love that album, and I saw this band with this band, and I'm like, very cool. And it was very cool to speak with other fans about classic albums that I really don't talk to other people around me, yeah, either at work or at home. It's like, man, no one to really talk to unless I'm talking to you guys, which is on here on the podcast. But uh, it's very cool to talk to other people in person. Uh, it's always a good time to to meet different people and hopefully we'll come across them in the near future. But man, it was a good time. Good time. And, uh, as I mentioned, it was a shady neighborhood, but like I say, when you have your fellow metalheads near you, you feel safe, you feel relaxed and it felt great. It felt great. And, uh, they had some street tacos going on outside the venue. Uh, they're playing Testament to get you riled up, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Doors open at 6 p.m. Central Time, and I look at my watch, it's 5 o'clock, and like I said, chatting with all these fellow metalheads made the time go by fast, and uh, right around 5.50 p.m., anyone who purchased a VIP for all three bands were allowed to go in the venue first, so 10 minutes prior before door, which is very cool. Uh, not a lot of venues do that unless you're paying extra to go into the venues early, like Live Nation, which is a waste of money. My personal opinion, I bought many early passes to skip the line for Live Nation, and they let the general public go in first. So I stopped doing that. But uh, props, props to the Rave Eagles Ballroom for letting the VIPs come in 10 minutes early. Uh when went inside, bought some Testament merch, mainly a t-shirt, got myself a beer, and went straight to the rail, front and center. And uh, man, I got lucky to see my favorite three thrash metal bands front row. Great spot. Like I said, watch my video, Ribs and Body Slams, on YouTube. You can watch the whole video from three bands from the front row 
So within the 30 minutes or so when the show started, fans were filing inside of the building. And uh, the first band to kick off the show, Death Angel. So they play eight songs total. So they kicked off the show with the classic, the ultra violence, the mistress of pain, uh, the ultra violence. Come on, that song was on the Carl's Jr. commercial. The you know the hamburger chain, Carl's Jr. Yeah, the ultra violence was played on her. Pretty badass. They kicked off the show with that. Track number two was uh, uh, Voracious Souls. Great song. Number three, Seamlessly Endless Time. All right, number four, my personal favorite, The Dream Calls for Blood, which is an awesome headbanger song. Number five was Caster of Shame. Number six, another one of my favorites, The Moth. Number seven, uh, Human Side, another great one. And number eight that ends out the show, Thrown to the Wolves, a classic Thrasher song. So uh, Death Angel, which is phenomenal, first time seeing them. Again, eight songs on their set list. All right, so they come off, the band switched the set, and now here comes Exodus. And their, uh, their intro tape song was uh, Queen's, we will rock you to get the crowd pumped and ready. And uh, they end up playing 11 songs total. So track number one, they came out and kick off with The Beatings Will Continue. Coming off the Persona Nagrata album. And then number two, going back to the classics, A Lessons in Violence. Great song. And by the way, nice little special moment for me because... Uh, uh, either was the first one or the, the second one, which was Lesson to Violence. Uh, Zetro saw me in the front row and he pointed right at me. And that was like a very cool moment. We just both pointed at each other. He's like, uh, so he kind of remembered me in my vest and the kiss patch and Dio patches and very cool moment. Uh, so that was number two. So track number three, my personal favorite, Blood In and Blood Out. All right, track number four, The Years of Death and Dying, coming off the Persona Nagrata album. Number five, my personal favorite, coming off the the Rob Dukes era, Death of Femini. Death of Femini. That's how you say it right. Great song, a headbanger. All right, number six, another favorite of mine, Blacklist. All right, number eight. Prescribing Horror coming off the new album, Persona Nagrata. And then the end of the show with three classics. So track number nine, Bonded by Blood. The crowd was just going insane. Uh, again, just body surfing, just bodies coming down like two at a time. Security guards were on top and uh, on their game to, to make sure they're, they're uh, crowd surfing safely coming over the barricades. And uh, number 10, just another toe-tapper classic, The Toxic Waltz. Yes, he played, uh, what he played? Gary Holt played uh, Slayer's song. Uh, the Rain and Blood, the intro Rain and Blood to get the crowd pumped up. And then uh, they start playing The Toxic Waltz. And then uh, the end of set with another classic, Strike of the Beast. And yes, 
the wall of death was in the middle of the set. I can't remember which song was it, but Zetro came out and said, you know what? Divide the crowd. When I get the three, or I can't remember what he said. When I said go, I want you guys to just take your aggression out and ready, set, go. And just watch both sides of the crowd just collide. Just, man, just brutal. Uh, mosh pits were just a scene. Crowd surfing was a scene. And uh, this was just the second band of the night. Testament never came on, uh, which I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll come talk about in a couple minutes here. But uh, Exodus never disappoint me, folks. They sounded great. The sound was great. Uh, these guys were uh, just perfect. Go check them out. Exodus. All right. Here comes the headliner of the tour. The Mighty Testament. And uh, their their track uh, taping song to get the pump crowd was Metallica's The Four Horsemen. And man, the crowd was singing along to The Four Horsemen. And the crowd was just smoking red hot right now, man. The crowd was popping. Well, eventually that uh, the Metallica's Four Horsemen transferred into the, the Catacombs intro tape and uh out comes the smoke and the mist and here comes testament and uh, here comes chuck billy the the lead singer of testament alex skolnick and lead guitar eric peterson on rhythm guitar steve DiGiorgio on bass and the godfather of double bass on drums dave lombardo Yes, fans know Dave Lombardo from Slayer. He played, what, good 95% of all Slayer records. And, yeah, he's the godfather of double bass. Go check it on YouTube, and you'll understand why he's the godfather of bass. Phenomenal drummer. I'm happy to see Dave Lombardo in Testament. By the way, he's the drummer for the, the original Misfits uh, reunion, too. So that guy is busy all right so the first song to kick off the show for testament classic song from uh, the dark roots album called rise up love this song all right track number two talk about a classic the new order track number three the pale king uh came off the uh the brotherhoods of snake album a couple years ago Number four, Children of the Next Level, just another rager. Now we're going to a classic track number five, Practice What You Preach. Track number six, World War Three, coming off their, the new albums, Titans of the Creation, which came out, uh, was it this year or last year? And uh, when this song came, the crowd was just, let me say this, Exodus came out, and they turned the crowd up to a 10. Now, I thought 10 was the max. Testament came out and just turned it up to a 100. That's a big leap. The crowd was just getting rowdy. And the crowd was getting intense. It felt like you were standing in the middle of the ocean just going back. 
back and forth, and the crowd was just just getting rowdy, as as you spec at a thrash metal show. So uh, for a non-fan who is not a metal fan, it's what you expect at a metal show. For me, just a normal day at the metal show. All right, what's next? Number seven, DNR, great heavy song. Number eight, Native Blood off the Dark Roots album. Number 10, a classic rocker, The Electric Crown. Number 11, The Formation of Damnation. Another song that got the, got the crowd uh, insane. Number 12, First Strike is Deadly. And then uh, the last three, going to the classic first three albums. So track number 13, Over the Wall. Number 14, Into the Pit. And uh, the end of the set at track number 15, Alone in the Dark. And that concludes the Testament set. And uh, the band came out, gave the final bow through guitar picks, and Dave Lombardo threw his drum six at the crowd, and that's it. Show ended right around close to 11 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Went out to my car and uh, made it home roughly around 1.30 a.m. So I was feared I was going to be home around 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning, but I got home right around 1.30. So not too bad, not too shabby. All right, so that's it. Gave the set list. Kind of tell you my little story from my own eyes uh, before, during, and after the show. That's it. It was great. A great small trip. Had a great time being Exodus. Again, well worth the money. Highly suggest it if they're going to be in your area across the country. And that's it. That concludes the riffs portion of the show. Dude, it's almost an hour already. All right, so let's keep the ball rolling. Let's head on to the pro wrestling aspect of the show, the body slam portion of the show, shall we? All right, welcome to the body slam portion of the show where I talk about all things pro wrestling news, results, and previews. So very quickly, I'm going to give you the quick news and recap. So as the time as I'm recording this, I'm getting some news from SmackDown, WWE SmackDown, and uh, AEW Rampage. So some of the top news, very quick. Max Dupree officially reverts to LA Knight. Uh, name on WWE SmackDown, so it's good to see there. Also, Legato Del Fantasma make WWE SmackDown debut with Selena Vega. Also in AEW news, John Moxley signs a five-year contract extension. So that's good news. Uh, he's going to be more of a mentor and a coach behind the scenes. So there's that. Also the White Rabbit news. So I'm going to discuss about that portion, that segment. I'm going to try to squeeze it in on this episode, the White Rabbit but apparently there's more that came out on SmackDown uh, this past Friday. And it uh, looked like they're going to be 
teasing of this White Rabbit debut this Saturday at Extreme Rules. And apparently, I didn't watch it, but I guess I seen a clip of the the pig, one of the puppets, was featured in this cryptic message. Hmm, could it be Bray Wyatt? Well, stay tuned, we'll talk about that. What else is going on in the world? Pro wrestling. So, some big moves within the WWE commentary. So, Jimmy Smith and Nigel McGuinness are no longer part of the WWE's commentary team. And uh, they're making some big, big shakeup when it comes to the commentary team for Raw, SmackDown, and uh, NXT. So for Friday Night SmackDown, you're going to get Michael Cole and Wade Barrett. Monday Night Raw will get Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves. NXT will get Vic Joseph and Booker T. And for the pay-per-views, we'll get Michael Cole and Corey Graves. So very sad news to report here that former WWE Tough Enough winner Sarah Lee or her real name is Sarah Weston, passed away at age 30 years old. Uh, Lee's passing was announced by her mother, Terry Lee, in a Facebook post on Thursday. A cause of death has not been disclosed. Uh, Lee was married to former WWE wrestler Wesley Blake. The couple had three children together. Now, Lee was active on Instagram this past Tuesday posting a picture after working out at the gym. In 2015 Lee was voted the female winner of the most recent season of WWE's Tough Enough. As one of the two winners of the show she earned a $250,000 WWE contract and joined the Performance Center. She parted the WWE in 2016. The Undertaker announces his one-man show will be held at the Big Night Live on November 25th in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, the the week of Survivor Series, the pay-per-view. So uh, the one-man show will go on sale Tuesday, November, not November, October 11th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So uh, go check it out if you want to see The Undertaker one man show. Uh, I'm kind of curious what he's going to do. He's going to tell some jokes. He's going to juggle uh, bowling pins. Will he uh, do a magic trick? Uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll play some checkers or something. So uh, go check it out. All right. So good news for Julia Hurt as she is uh, engaged to Lee Johnson. So that's some good news. Bandito has not signed with AEW. Uh, so apparently Uncle Dave Meltzer messed up and uh, apologized, stating that he was wrong, and Bandito never signed an AEW contract yet. But he did confirm from Dave Meltzer from WrestlingObserver.com that he was received a WWE offer as well. So Tony Khan, don't let go, Bandito. Keep him. He's very special, very unique, excellent wrestler. So keep him, Tony. All right, so let's talk about the big news in AEW really quick. 
the Sammy Guevara and uh, Andrade El Idolo altercation that happened backstage. So fans who have been uh, hiding under the rock lately, Sammy Guevara and Andrade had a few words on, on Twitter this past week. So apparently the whole thing started with Andrade doing an interview. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a video interview, a podcast, or whatnot. But he pretty much said, stating that uh, that Sammy Guevara is being a little whiny brat. Uh, he claimed that Andrade is being, being too stiff with him in the ring. And uh, eventually these two were fighting on Twitter publicly. Andrade said, you know what? I'll see you Wednesday. So apparently there were reports from the WrestlingObserver.com that both men were warned by AEW management on Tuesday about not fighting or else to be sent home. And now there are different, different eyewitnesses talking about the altercation that happened behind the scenes. Now there's uh, one side from the the Dave Melter side is given one the personal view what he heard from, and then TMZ had a different one. So there's one story which is said that that Sammy Guevara did not throw any punches or fight back even after Andrade punched him, possibly a sucker punch, according to Meltzer. And then Alvarez heard one account had Andrade spinning Guevara around. Guevara then pushed him and Andrade punched him. Meltzer also said he heard Andrade was waiting in the hallway for Guevara and got two punches in before he was broken up. He noted that despite the punches, Guevara didn't have any marks on him for his main event match for AEW Ramp, uh, Dynamite. Uh, now, the original report from TMZ, TMZ, both Meltzer and Alvarez noted that Guevara threw the first punch and indeed fought Guevara. Uh, he wouldn't have worked with the main event in Chris Jericho against uh, Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson. So Andrade was sent home, but there were no words on AEW plans. And look, fans know that Andrade has been rumored about wanting going back to the WWE. Is this altercations behind the scenes where, hey, I don't like being here. I'm going to go punch somebody. Maybe I'll get fired and go back to the WWE. That's nah, not going to work that way, buddy. Tony Khan said he's not letting anybody go. So, there's going to be some legal repercussions. And that being said, if CM Punk sees this and the guy gets fired, there's definitely going to be some legal issues. And uh, if the, the Andrade and Sam Guevara, there's no, any rep no repercussions. Hey, we warned you not to go punch this person. But go ahead and punch him, but we're going to send you home regardless. CM Punk punched the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega, whoever, somebody off the elite. Being sent home, not only because of his uh, injury, but potentially get fired. Andrade has been warned, and Sammy as well, 
whoever punched who was being sent home, which was Andrade. And uh, that's it. Either suspended with without pay, or he's going to sit home being paid till the end of his contract. Who knows? So that's what's going on in the world of AEW behind the scenes with uh, Andrade and Sammy Guevara. So, let's talk about All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. We'll give you the recap and review from this past Wednesday. After that, I will give you more pro wrestling news. Very quick news. Then we'll talk about WWE's Extreme Rules. Give you a nice little predictions and preview. And then I will end the show with the White Rabbit teaser and uh, my uh, my speculations on who will be that mystery White Rabbit that's supposedly going to show up at Extreme Rules this Saturday. So without further ado, let's talk about All Elite Wrestling Dynamite from this past Wednesday. Right now. Three years of All Elite Wrestling Dynamite dynamite it's hard to believe three years listeners uh and listeners let me know what's your favorite moments in the past three years of all elite wrestling again on my socials guillermo 1991 so yes all elite wrestling dynamite live on tbs from the entertainment and sports arena in Washington, D.C. And the show kicks off with one of the greatest heels in AEW. MJF versus Wheeler Yuta. And the two young guys square off in the ring. And what a pro wrestling match to kick off the show. Fans were chatting, fight forever. Oh, yeah, fans were going bananas. You can't blame that. No. Very small. Ah, well, come on. Oh, wait, Wheeler, you diving splash. No, no. And he went three quarters across the ring, Yuta did. A tremendous leap Incredible by spring. Wheeler, Yuta. Let's take another look here. The explosivity in the legs and lower back. And quads, glutes. Yeah, you right saw there. from that first camera angle on the replay. MJF was, he was well across the hypotenuse of the ring. The fans here appreciating the effort by both men as now Wheeler Yuta the hammer and anvil elbows. We're getting deep, deep waters here in this match. And M- MJF, is, man, he might be out right here. Yeah, look how the head of MJF is just rocking back and forth now, Wheeler. Yeah, so that clip, courtesy of AllEatWrestling.com. What a match. And the highlight in this match alone was both men. Uh, again, close counters when the, when it comes to the count roll-ups. So one, two, and then Wheeler Yuta will do another roll-up on MGF. One, two, and reverse. And next thing you know, MGF wants to do the Tombstone Pile Driver on Wheeler Yuta, and then he reverses and do the Tombstone Pile. Just insane what a pro wrestling match to kick off all elite wrestling but the winner of this match 
is MJF. Maxwell Jacob Friedman walked away with his hand up in the air for victory. Great, great match to kick off the show. All right, next match. Jay Lethal versus Darby Allen. Uh, Jay Lethal, a veteran in the world pro wrestling, uh, dated back to the early 2000s, and Darby has been in the business for four year, or for a couple years, should say, and uh, both men went at it. There was a point in the match where Darby tried to avoid a strike from Jay Lethal, and uh, eventually that turned into Jay Lethal, kicks him instead, and sends Allen to the corner. I mean, Darby Allen went right, he, he went flying. As the match got closer to the end, Darby Allen brought out a beautiful Hurt Karana for the two, but Darby ends up rolling him up through in the Last Supper. One, two, three, and the win. And the winner of the match, Darby Allen. So a great match to follow up the first match of the night. All right, listeners. Now is big time fight here, folks. Listeners, let me know what you think about this match alone. Two bulls locked up. Two big jack, jacked muscle guys. The TNT champion, the machine, Brian Cage versus Mr. Mayhem, Warlow. I should say he is the champion. Brian Cage is coming after the champion. In this match... And this match was top-notch here, folks. Listeners, let me know about you. What you think about this match? Again, both guys are roughly around 280 pounds. Pure muscle. Uh, again, Warlow wants a challenge. Not a jobber. Not somebody who's shorter and thinner than him. He wants something that's equal par to him. And there was a point in the match where... Uh, it was either Brian Cage was outside of the ropes on the apron. Warlow was on the turnbuckle. He did a suplex by picking him up. 280 pounds of muscles, which was just freakish. Phenomenal. Again, Warlow is very athletic when it comes to his size and the muscles he has. Uh, just phenomenal athlete. Both men put on a great match together. Here's this fine clip courtesy of AllEatWrestling.com. Wardlow got it. Third movement, the powerbomb. Simply oh my God. A fourth. Wardlow covers and wins. Wow. The winner of this match. Brian Cage, if it wasn't the winner, would he exemplify the code of honor? I guess you got your answer, buddy. There's no honor here. No honor among the embassy. Just a, a three, a four-on-two assault. Samoa Joe tried to help out his guy Wardlow after a battle. Yeah, so that clip, courtesy of AllEatWrestling.com, Wardlow won the match. Shortly after, Brian Cage wasn't happy, and his faction, which is called the Embassy, 
came right down to the ring and started attacking Wardlow in the ring. Now it's four-on-one beatdown. Who's going to save Wardlow? Well, that person was Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe came down to save Wardlow. But it was still four-on-two. So who, who's going to come out and help Wardlow and Samoa Joe? Well, that was FTR, one of the greatest pro wrestling tag teams on the planet. Came out to the rescue and chased everybody out. And I had a little nice stare down between both groups. All right, up next, a trios women's match. Athena, Willow Nightingale, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. Serena Deeb and Penelope Ford. Both actions were just phenomenal. The chemistry between Athena, Willow Nightingale, and Tony Storm, just top notch. All right. So there was a point in the match where Jamie Hayter whipped out a big backbreaker to Athena and Willow with a super kick to the to Ford. So there's just both going on at the same time. But Ford it wants of her own. One, two, but no! Willow barely gets the arm up. Eventually, Willow sets Penelope Ford with a doctor bomb and hits it. A one, two, three for the win, and a surprise, a surprisingly uh, win from Willow, Knight, Willow Nightingale. I mean, again, definitely deserves this win. Longer, certainly. And uh, she has a big championship match against the TBS champion, Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Jade. What's going on, I believe, next Wednesday in Dynamite. So it's going to be good stuff here, folks. All right, up next. The Acclaimed. Celebrate the National Scissors Day in front of the Washington, D.C. crowd. And it was just a beautiful segment. Uh, to have all the fans join together as unity as pro wrestling fans. Take a listen, courtesy of AllEatWrestling.com. 40 years ago, here in this city, Washington, D.C., greatness was achieved when Washington won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Super Bowl 17. A lot of people here probably don't remember that. I wasn't even born yet, but it means a lot to me because my dad was on that championship team. That's awesome. And his Super Bowl ring is his prized possession. He wears it proudly to this day. And he achieved greatness here all those years ago, just like the acclaimed achieved greatness when we won the AW Tag Team titles. Yes, that clip you heard, courtesy of AllEatWrestling.com. A beautiful, beautiful, uh, nice little promo in this segment with the acclaimed National Scissoring Day. No, it's not what you think. It's like rock, paper, scissors. You know, the scissor uh, finger gesture. That's their that's their signature <laughs> finishing, uh, like, like NWL with the two sweet. Something like that, but that was a nice little segment. All right, next match. El Toro Blanco Rouge versus Hangman Adam Page. This was a slobber knocker type of match. Both men went to war. 
This, there was a very close count uh, when Roosh was standing on page. A page powers up, an Alabama slam, and Jack, Jack knifes him. Uh, as the match got closer to the end, uh, eventually Roosh was busting open, like bleeding. And as Roosh will set up a bullshorm on Hangman at a page with the big clothesline, and a buckshot lariat came out of nowhere and ended ended Roosh's little momentum. And Hangman Adam Page pen Roosh one, two, three. And the winner of the match, Hangman Adam Page. Up next, Lucha Soares versus Fuego Dolso. This match was not even 60 seconds. Lucha Soares defeated Fuego de Sol in a squash match. All right, the main event. Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia versus uh, the Ocho, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. The Jericho Appreciation Society versus the Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, I think Garcia's got it pretty tight. He's got it. Can he hang on long enough to make it? Oh, what? Oh, no honor at all there with that ring of honor world title by Jericho. Come on. Just exactly what I talked about in the interview earlier. The referee was looking towards the competitor. She didn't see it, Excalibur. No, she didn't. And, and Brian Danielson's still down through the timekeeper's table. Sammy Guevara covers and gets the Championship. It's, a, it's as high as profile it's ever been, but if it's going to be like this, I, 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 this isn't the Ring of Honor I remember. Hey, listen, Chris Jericho. Yes, that clip courtesy of AllEatWrestling.com was the point of the match where Jericho slams Daniel Bryan right into the table, then suplex him. So, wow, Danielson just getting brutally beaten up by Jericho outside of the ring. Now, back in that side of the ring, uh, Sammy Guevara went for the high knee and the GTH on Garcia. Now, Sammy doesn't cover him. Instead, taunts Garcia. Now, Sammy is on top of the turnbuckle, pulls out the shooting star, but Garcia with the knees up. Uh, eventually, the Dragon Slayer to Sammy Guevara in the center of the ring, but Garcia has locked it deep. But Jericho hits him with the Ring of Honor belt, which you heard in that clip, cheated with the ref, didn't see it, didn't see it, and uh, eventually the ref turned around. Sammy Guevara covered up. Garcia won two for the win. One, two, three for the win. In a cheating heel fashion way, the end, all elite wrestling dynamite, and winner of the match, Chris Jericho. So a phenomenal action-packed show last night on TBS. Speaking up another action-packed show, WWE presents Extreme Rules going down to this weekend live on the Peacock Network. What matches are going down to this weekend? All that's coming up next. Sammy Guevara. Andrade El Idio warned by AEW about not fighting. Altercation details emerge. 
Both Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idio were both warned by AEW management on Tuesday about not fighting or else they would be sent home. Following their back forth on Twitter this week, after Andrade interview where he said he had an issue with Guevara, both men had an altercation backstage prior to AEW Dynamite taping last night. Bandito signs full-time contract with AEW. After being offered a contract immediately following his promotional debut last Wednesday, Bandito has signed his full-time contract. Fightful.com first reported the news Wednesday and Dave Meltzer confirmed earlier this evening. Uh, the length of the deal and specific details on his ability to work outside AEW are unknown. WWE Raw ratings down, a big drop in third hour. Raw this past Monday night uh, went against the NFL's lowest, lowest number of viewers so far this season. Ended up averaging 1.60 million viewers overall and drawing, drawing a .40 rating in the 18-49. The 18-49 number was Raw lowest number in three months. New tag team titles number one contenders crown on WWE's NXT. Nikita Lyons and Zoe Starks are the new number one contenders to the WWE NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. Lions of Starks defeated Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane in the number one contenders match on Tuesday, WWE NXT. He's ready to go to war. We'll face a Finn Balor and an I quit match. That's going down to this Saturday live on the Peacock Network, which you can purchase for a limited time for $1.99. Can't beat that. Um, that's what will be live uh, on this Saturday. Where is it happening at? If you want to see it in person, will be happening at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, this Saturday, October 8th. And it's a stacked premium live pay-per-view. Or if you purchase for $1.99 on, uh, uh, on Peacock, it could be considered as a premium live event. So, there's going to be six matches on a card. Again, listeners, let me know on my socials. Uh, what matches you're looking forward to uh, this Saturday on WWE Extreme Rule. Let's talk about match number one. A woman's match. And it's not a normal woman's match. It's a Extreme Rules match. Anything goes. Any weapons. Chairs. Tables. Barbed wire. If they get that extreme. Uh, Liv Morgan. The current WWE SmackDown Champion versus the baddest woman in WWE, Ronda Rousey. A rematch for the title that she lost back in uh, either SummerSlam or WrestleMania. Most likely SummerSlam. And uh, will this be the time for Ronda Rousey? To get the title back on our waist. Listeners, do you believe Ronda Rousey will become the new WWE SmackDown champion? Or could Liv Morgan retain the title 
cushy. Now, my personal takes. Want to see Ronda Rousey win that title. Why? Because she's, she's the baddest woman in the WWE locker room. Yes, she is the baddest. With the MMA background and her techniques and the mixed martial arts, obviously in UFC, she's going to use those techniques. And this time, she will make sure there's no loophole when it comes to losing the title like she has in the past. She's going to win it. She's going to walk out as the new WWE SmackDown champion. That's my pick for this match. All right, up next, match number two. Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins in a fight pit match. It's going to be interesting. And a special guest referee, a legendary fighter, Daniel Cormier. Yes, he will be the special guest referee. He also said in a press release to the WWE.com that he's going to treat this match fair and square right down the middle. It's going to be a slapper knocker type of match here, folks, between both men. This rivalry between both men, they hated each other. Matt Riddle has been wanting to get his hands on Seth Rollins each and every Monday Night Raw each week. Now, here, here's his chance to go after him. But this is like, as I mentioned, not a normal match. This is a fight pit match. It's going to be old school fight. It's going to be a, a mono mono type of match. But, listeners, I'm going to ask you, who's going to win this fight pit match? Personal opinion. I'm going to go for Mr. Bro himself, Matt Riddle, to defeat Seth Rollins. After being cheated out in the past and interference throughout Matt Riddle's matches throughout the, the weeks and months, time to settle the score with Seth Rollins. And Matt Riddle will defeat him with this, again, MMA background, mixed martial arts. He had all that training in the past prior to his pro wrestling uh, the career. So Matt Riddle's going to use those skills to defeat Seth Rollins. Up next... This is going to be a brutal match here, folks. Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a strap match. A classic strap match. This match is going to be intense. Now, Karrion Cross, which is phenomenal all across the board. Drew McIntyre, he is a superstar. The guy is jacked, he is smart. He has all the tricks in the books to defeat Karrion Cross. That's going to be my pick, Drew McIntyre, to win in this strap match. Up next, a ladder match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair, the current champion, versus Bayley. It's going to be a great women's ladder match. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a close one. Bianca's been a champion for a couple months now here, folks. But, listeners, do you believe Bailey will get this opportunity to win the title? Will she have a little input help from her faction, which is Damage Control, which is Dakota Kai and Yo Sky? 
Will they interfere in this match? Or could uh, uh, Bianca Belair's team counter with Alexa Bliss and Asuka to stop them from interfering in this match? It's going to be a tricky match here, folks, but most likely my pick's going to be, I'm, I'm going to go a little risky here. I'm going to go for Bailey to become the new WWE Raw champion. Why? Well, she's the heel. She is smart. She has the damage control faction. Somehow is going to try to interfere in this match and distract Bianca and try to take out her team to give Bailey the win. That's my pick. All right, up next, the rated R superstar, Edge versus Finn Balor in an I quit match. Who will tap out and say, I quit? This is going to be another brutal match here, folks. Edge, who's a veteran, not just a singles wrestler, but a tag team wrestler. Edge and Christian, right? Versus Finn Balor, who's traveled across the world in Japan. Obviously, he was part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's been into uh, Australia, Germany. So he's been across the world and faced the greats in the world of pro wrestling. So with these techniques between both men, different generation when it comes to pro wrestling. Edge came out the 90s and Finn Balor started in the, the, the mid-2000s. It's going to be a close one. But my pick's going to be Edge. Why? Because he wants his vengeance. With the veteran skills he has, uh, guy, he is smart. His wrestling techniques are top-notch and up to par. A far advance than Finn Balor. That's the reason why, and that's my pick. Edge It's going to make Finn Balor tap. I quit. All right, match number six, the final match. A six-man tag team match. A good old-fashioned Donnie Brook match. Interesting match. The Brawling Brutes, Shaman, Rich Holland, and Butch versus the Aperium. Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. Going to be a great six-man tag team match between both teams. Uh, again, my pick's going to be the Brawling Brutes. These gentlemen has the veteran experience. They are smart. Sheamus has been in the WWE for a couple years. Ridge Holland, Butch. Butch is very impressive uh, from NXT, so he is a very smart guy as well. Very impressive in the ring. And with those knowledges between those three men, the Brawling Brutes will become the winners in this good old-fashioned Donnie Brook match. So, listeners, let me know what you think. What match you're looking forward to watching this Saturday on the Peacock streaming service. WWE presents Extreme Rules. Now, speaking of WWE... They're putting out little cameo teasers these past few weeks of a possible return of a former WWE superstar. Which superstar would that be? Oh, that's coming up next right here.
Network update. WWE NXT viewership in the 18 to 49 demos rating down. Tuesday's episode of WWE NXT averaged 625,000 viewers on the USC USA Network, down 5.3% from last week. It's the lowest audience total for the show since August 9th. Digital Media Title Open Challenge added to Impact Bound for Glory. The Impact Digital Media Championship will be on the line at next Friday's Bound for Glory. The challenger won't be known until that night. After defending the title this past Thursday on Impact on Access TV against Crazy Steve, title holder Brian Myers said he wanted more competition and confidently offered up an open challenge. The match will take place on the pre-show. There were new debuts at WWE main event taping. Three wrestlers from NXT made their main roster debut on this past Monday. Fallon Henley, Josh Briggs, and Brooks Johnson all competed at matches before this past Monday, Monday Night Raw from the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Three matches official for AEW Dynamite Canada debut. Three matches have been announced for next week's AEW Dynamite debut in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It was confirmed this week that Chris Jericho will defend the Ring of Honor World Champion against Brian Danielson along with Jungle Boy vs. Luchasaurus. Christian Cage will be in Luchasaurus Corner. The third match will, will for next week's Dynamite will feature Swerve Strickland facing Billy Gunn. This has been your... Um, WWE has been doing teasers each and every week on Monday Night Raw on the USA Network and the WWE Smackdown on Fox Television. And they've been inserting, inserting these cryptic, uh, we call it QR codes, each and every week on their television shows. Now, when listeners are scanning these codes, it gives them a link. They open up the link, and they'll get like a cryptic message, random images. Listeners are trying to figure out, you know, they're trying to link these cryptic messages and images together. Also, they've been given away coordinates, which those coordinates will lead up to the following show or the the upcoming show i should say so for example they put a qr code on a friday night smackdown they'll put a coordinate numbers on the screen will lead to the destination for monday night raw so very very smart the wwe is trying to get the viewership uh, up in each and every show to unveil this secret surprise that they're holding back so, the Wrestling Observer has pointed out that they're trying to figure out if Bray Wyatt, who was released from WWE back in 2021, is making us return back. Now, listeners, let me know what you think about this, this topic. Listeners are, uh, the fans, pro wrestling fans are trying to figure out who's, this mystery uh, WWE superstar that's coming back or could be current too. 
Now, it's been reported from the, the uh, figure4wrestling.com, the wrestling Zerber, that Triple H is trying to keep this quiet much as he can. Don't let the cat out of the bag. Very little people know about this within the company. And they're doing a great job. Great, great job keeping this a secret. And speculations are going around that Bray Wyatt could come back. Why? Why could he come back? Well, Bray Wyatt, as I mentioned, was released in 2021. With AEW on the horizon, which quite surprisingly, AEW never picked up Bray Wyatt. But could Bray be loyal and will never ever, just like Braun Strowman, never work for another wrestling company unless it's WWE? Also, under the Vince McMahon regime last year, it was pitched around about bringing the Bray Wyatt's firefight family, which is the puppets he had back in the 2021 storyline. And it sounded like the idea was pitch as bringing these characters to real life. Obviously, there's been posts around social media stating that Braun Strowman could be the pig. Dexter Loomis could be uh, Mercy the Buzzard. Karrion Cross could be the rabbit. And the witch could be Karrion Cross's wife, Scarlet, uh, as real-life characters for Bray Wyatt's faction. <laughs> So, listeners, let me know what you think about this, because this is very, very interesting. Now, Dave Meltzer from the WrestlingObserver.com also reported stating he thinks it's not Bray Wyatt. Dave Meltzer thinks it's Malachi Black. Now, he was, he's currently on hiatus right now in AEW due to uh, mental health. And he stated couple weeks ago that he's not leaving AEW so with that going around another interesting uh, news came out and WWE has hired former Marvel writer and Disney producer Rob Fee as a director of long term creative in the WWE well now why is that interesting well Mr. Fee was interested in making a horror movie theme about the fiend Bray Wyatt in the past. He also was a guest, a special guest part of Bray Wyatt's uh, real life wedding earlier this year. So he was featuring a photo on social media uh, with Bray Wyatt and his very own wedding. And maybe with all this cryptic clues, his hidden QR codes could be from the mind of Mr. Rob V. So, as mentioned, FightfulSelect.com also been reported that he also, as I mentioned, uh, pitched a horror movie about Bray Wyatt before the, the stars released from last summer. And uh, definitely was a bigger... Uh, the the brains behind this whole master plan. So with the Bray Wyatt possible return, listeners, let me know what you think. 
do you think this could be a big deal? Could his return to the WWE could be bigger than it was before? No, Bray Wyatt. There's been multiple reports uh, behind the scenes between him and Vince McMahon before his departure about their creative ideas clashing. And Bray Wyatt was not happy with the direction that Vince was taking him as a superstar. Uh, these ridiculous spots where, you know, they had a fake Bray Wyatt body set it on fire and have him coming through the ring, which is not spooky. It was silly uh, with the red lighting during a cage match with Bray. And it. it was very silly, very goofy. Doesn't match us up with his character whatsoever. Now that Mr. McMahon is out of the company, Triple H is in charge and creative. Could Triple H fix his creative outlook in the near future when it comes to Bray Wyatt and give his own vision of what Bray Wyatt wants to see? Again, listeners, let me know what you think on my socials about this whole situation. Do you think Bray Wyatt will make his return back? Possibly this Saturday on Extreme Rules, which the clue leads to. Or could it be somebody else? Let me know what you think on my socials. All right, so this was a very loaded, long episode. And if you made it this far, thank you. Thank you again for for taking a stab and listening to this fine podcast. Again, hit the subscribe button if you're a new listener so you'll never miss an episode each and every week. And again, if you're a daily listener each and every week, send me your name, just a first name, where you're from, location, and uh, I'll love to highlight your name on the podcast to thank you. Free of charge, don't want nothing. My my gratitude and uh, thanks to you for being a daily loyal listener. All right. So as I mentioned, my bonus episode will be a, about the tribute of the great Antonio Noki. So stay tuned for that <clears throat> coming up. Like I said, check out my socials, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, Riffs and Body Slams. The Bay Strikes Back video is up and live. Check it out. Check out my second YouTube page, Riffs and Body Slam Plus, and uh, Riffs and Body Slams at gmail.com. Some of your thoughts, concerns, recommendations, whatever it is. Love to have a chat with you. All right, that wraps up this long show. Have an awesome weekend slash work week, and I'll talk to you guys next episode, which is 54. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.